Hi, my name is Sophia and I'm in Chapter 4. Hi, my name is Summer and I'm Chapter 4 and you're listening to Versus. So um, today we are joined by a very special guest. She is the Associate Director of College Counseling, Ms. Jacob. So, hi Ms. Jacob. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Ms. Jacob. You've, some of you may have seen me in assemblies or whatnot. Uh, I am one of the five college counselors here at Eunice. I've been at Eunice for about three years now. Um, and prior to Eunice, I worked in another high school building, their college counseling program. And then before that, I worked in the admissions office at Barnard College right uptown. That's my, that's my brief, brief history. <laughs> so I guess to start, Start us off. Uh, you mentioned that you worked at like multiple other places besides Eunice. So, how has your experience at Eunice versus like your experience before Eunice impacted your, your perspective on the college admissions process? That's a great question. Um, I think the student population at all the places I've worked has been different. Um, Eunice is really unique because it's both a New York City independent school and an international school. So I love getting to work with students who are looking both at the U.S. and um, abroad, the U.K., you know, Netherlands. I have seen, I think, in my various places where I've worked, different struggles, different things students gravitate toward. And I think working at a bunch of different places has really given me a, a really good sense of what's out there and what students tend to gravitate toward and why. So a lot of Eunice students um, really tend to gravitate toward big cities, I'm finding. Um, whereas students at, at some of the other schools I've worked at really were looking maybe more specifically at some of the more small rural liberal arts college. But at the same time, I also see that changing. And what I, what I really like about Eunice students is they're really open-minded. So we have a lot of students who don't go to major cities um, or students who, you know, go to a school in Iowa and have a transformational experience. But, and so I, I think, you know, one of the things I love about Eunice is just how open-minded and how far-reaching the students go for university. Yeah, I think that's very true from at least what I've seen with all the students. And I think that kind of goes into the next one is like, how exactly do colleges evaluate our applications? Is it like different for each college? Or is it more like there's kind of you can fit them into criteria or types of um, evaluation? Mm -hmm. Another really good question. And the answer depends on where you're applying. So in the US, um, it does differ very, very greatly from school to school. So, you know, some colleges like the one I worked at, Barnard, had a very holistic admissions process. And you'll hear that word kind of come about a lot. If you're a T3 or T4, you've heard it a lot. Um, but holistic, for, for any younger listeners who might not know what that means, is a lot of smaller, more liberal arts colleges really take the, the time to get to know you as a whole person. So there are some things that are universally true like your grades are always going to be the most important part of your college application. At any school in the U.S., at any school abroad, your grades and your academic record, which sometimes includes your IB predictions, um, but often includes kind of the overall record, like your transcript, that's always going to be the most important thing. But where it varies is the other stuff that's being looked at, right? So in the U.S., it really does depend from school to school. Um, but they're looking at you as kind of a whole person. So in addition to your grades, what do you care about, right? Like, what do you do with your time outside of class? How involved are you in the community? What are your writing skills? What do you write about? What issues are important to you? What are your teachers saying about you, right? So if you're listening now and you're a T1 or T2, um, start building those relationships with teachers because when you're a T3, 
and, and this is particularly important actually for T3s listening, like you're gonna need to ask people to write letters of recommendation for you if you're applying in the US and in some places abroad as well. So very important to forge those relationships um, because all colleges in the US and abroad as well, um, they wanna see that you're an active member of the community. And then I would also say, there are some factors that you're being evaluated on that you might not even know, which is a little scary, right? But like, you know, um, some school might need an oboe player for its band, and you might not know that that's an institutional priority for that college. So there are some factors that I would say are a little bit more um, nuanced and opaque, but there are some things that you always know from, from school to school to expect. Like you're always going to be evaluated on the strength of your, your academic history, um, the rigor, right? So as IB students, you guys are like super, super well-prepared and colleges know that, um, but it does depend from school to school. So where I worked, like it was again, like I said, holistic. Um, and at some schools, it might be a little bit more formulaic where like they're just looking at your GPA and your test scores and a little bit else, but those are the two biggest driving factors. But at Barnard, it really was the whole piece. And at most schools in the U.S., I would say it's really the whole piece. Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting, especially the like nuanced part of uh, college admissions, because I feel like a lot of people don't like know about that. Um, mm-hmm. And I was also wondering, I or we were one, sorry, <laughs> we were wondering. Um, uh, so I guess when applying to college, um, am like our students and or am I like compared? against other applicants from my school or other applicants Mm. around the country or the world or like how it's that work? That's a really good question. Um, The answer there, and you're going to start to be like, oh, Jacob, come on. But the answer is it depends. (laughs) And it always depends. Um, In most cases, you really are looked at individually, right? So like your application isn't being compared directly to anyone else's. You guys ever see those movies where it's like, the admissions officer has two and it's like they have an admit stamp and a deny stamp and like they can only take one. Like that's not how it works. Um, people aren't comparing your application side by side to someone else's and saying like, well, I can only take one. It, it really genuinely is one at a time. And I'm talking about the U.S. specifically. Now, at the same time, what I would say is um, sometimes school groups are important in the sense that sometimes universities will Um, just check at the end to make sure that things make sense, right? So, you know, they want to make sure that they're making fair and equitable decisions, um, but they also look at things holistically and, you know, they they do what they want. So you are, you are evaluated, you're only being compared to yourself, right? Like you're being, you're just being compared to yourself. And then sometimes at the end, colleges do take into account, okay, let's look at the greater pool of applicants and kind of see that this makes sense. But you're never being compared directly against someone else. Your application's always being looked at on its own, right? Like cover to cover. Like when I read applications, I never read a student's application with someone else's right next to it. Like I was always just super focused on that one application. And, you know, like there are more important factors than just GPA. So it could be that you're a better fit for a college than you know, someone else applying to, you know, from anywhere, anywhere around the world, right? The other thing I would, I would just add on to that is like the context of the whole world is also important. Um, In the sense that, you know, you are, you are sort of competing against everyone else in that applicant pool and not, not really just your school, but everyone. So 
sometimes a college sees a dramatic increase in their applications and like they have tough decisions to make. And so you are being reviewed in the context of the greater pool, but your application is just being reviewed in the context of yourself and everything that's been available to you. Yeah, I was just, that's interesting that you say like the context of the greater world, because I think one of my next questions was kind of um, right now COVID is happening, you know, and how Mm. exactly has COVID impacted the college process, not just for the class of what was it, 2020, and then the class Mm -hmm. of 2021, how's it going to future classes as well? Um, I think a lot of people are really curious to kind of know that change about your application, what are colleges looking for all of a sudden? Yeah. I think, well, first of all, my heart goes out to you guys. Like, you know, any T3 or sorry, any T4 listening right now, um, you were not able to probably visit schools and that must have been really, really hard. So um, power to you, any T4 listening right now, you made it, you did it, you did all the right things, you've learned about schools virtually. Um, I anticipate a few changes in the future. So one is something I see is like a really big silver lining, which is that colleges now have no choice but to de-emphasize standardized test scores, right? So I would say 95% of the colleges and universities in the United States now for your class, and many of them for current T3s, will not be considering standardized test scores as part of the admissions process. To me, this is a big silver lining. But it also comes with some, uh, what's the right word? What's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's, it's also comes with some downsides, right? So the, the silver lining to me is like, a lot of people don't feel their test scores reflect their ability. I felt that way when I was in high school. I was like, oh, this is silly. Like, I hate these standardized tests. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like it reflected my potential. Um, And the big silver lining is that probably for years to come, colleges are really going to be reevaluating like why they ask for standardized testing. And now that they've been able to have a full cycle where they don't use those results, like they they probably are seeing that they actually don't need to, like they can make decisions without standardized testing. And when you think about it, I think it's going to lead to a much more equitable an inclusive application process. Like there are a lot of people who don't apply places because of their standardized test scores. And I think it's gonna, in some ways, even the playing field a little bit. The potential downside is that a lot of the application pools are growing, right? So colleges are seeing like more and more students apply because of those lack of barriers, which is great, but it also means they're probably gonna become more competitive. So that's one thing I'm seeing. The other thing I expect is that colleges now also like have been forced to develop their virtual programming, right? Like if you couldn't like, I don't know, we're in New York City, right? If you couldn't make it all the way to California, which like, don't blame you. um, Now you have the opportunity to like go do a virtual tour from the comfort of your living room. And for a lot of people who either don't have the means or don't have the time to like go visit schools in person, I think this is another big silver lining. Like you guys now, and the particularly like the T1s and T2s and T3s listening, like college, these virtual programs are probably here to stay. Like colleges now have super robust ways to 
engage with you in a way that doesn't require you going to campus, which, you know, still is helpful. Like you still want to go if you can, but um, it, I think it increases access. And I think that's really important. So I'll stop myself there. I don't want to ramble, but I would say those are two big things I anticipate. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And then I think finally, quick, like to um, end this part of the episode, do you have anything to say to um, students who were either deferred, rejected, or waitlisted to their early decision applications? Uh, oh, I do. I have so much to say. Um, what I have to say is that, A, we're proud of you. You, you went for it. Good for you. And B, um, and I can say this from personal and professional experience, when one door closes, many more open. Um, there are people in life who have not gotten the decisions they want, and they turned out just fine, as will you. And, um, you know, it's, it's often helpful to take a day or two to kind of, all right, be in your feelings, you know, like be sad and then move on because you got this. And there's many, many great opportunities that await. Um, I did not get into my first choice college. I think I turned out great. You will too. <laughs> um, and, and don't lose hope and work, you know, work really hard to on the rest of your applications. Because when one door closes, I promise you, and this is true, by the way, you know, in life, not just the college process. So one door closes, many more will open. Yeah, thank you so much. This is some great advice to give. I think a lot of seniors are definitely feeling possibly a little bit down if they, you know, haven't gotten into their first choice college. But um, yeah, just a reminder for everyone to do their applications, which are due in January. And if you're a junior, it's never too early to start. Trust us on that one. <laughs> As a senior who has, I think, like nine what's it called um supplemental regular yeah yeah Oops. it's it's really <laughs> to start um but yeah thank you so much for coming on this is some really good advice so fun. and if people want to reach you how can they reach out to you or the college department yeah so any of the college counselors all of our um email addresses should be on the units website but it's the first initial of our names and then the last name at unis.org so um, I'll say my email address. If anyone wants to reach me, I'm always happy to chat. Um, it's D-J-A-K-O-B as in boy, so djacob at unis.org. But a lot of people misspell my last name. It's very, it's a very uncommon spelling. So it's J-A-K-O-B. Make sure it's with a K and no S. Um, but yeah, and I would, I, if I can, I would just say for the T3s, for the T3s and T2s and two, T1s who are listening and who are like, what do I do now? Like, what's look, I can't really write, start writing my essays. I would just say the best thing that you can do to prepare for this process is to work hard, get good grades now, and find meaningful ways to get involved in your community. Like, that is actually the best thing that you can do right now to prepare. If you do that, right, if you find ties to your community and you work hard on your grades, the other stuff is all stuff that you'll work on with your college counselor that you can, you know, that you can control. But do that now and you'll be in a really good position for later. That's really good advice. Thank you so much. This was really helpful. Thank you. That was so fun. You yeah. guys, I could I could have <laughs> been on here for like an hour with you. Like I know, it's so hard to like keep it short. College counselors talk too much and I'm guilty of that. Uh, and I really tried to cut off my rambling, but like it's so great that you're doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.